songs. Three songs. Three songs. Three songs. Bobby Mike, it's Bobby Mike. 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 Got three songs. Yeah, three songs podcast episode one twenty eight on August twenty eighth on your town on August twenty eighth. Uh, yeah, and you had I like the August. little additional Turn percussion. The yeah, the little additional percussion you were adding there, Bob. That was that was nice touch. Um, I can handle the hand clap, uh, man. That's like within my range of ability. <laughs> August twenty eighth, two thousand twenty. Bob Nastanovich there. Mike Hogan here. You in the, Portland, in Portland, and you're in Des Moines. How is our man? How is our man Jack who penned that theme song doing? It's yeah. doing good. He's doing good. Yeah, I yeah. see him now and then. You know, well, uh, it's hard to see anybody these days. That's so true. Now and then's doing pretty good. That's true. Yeah, he's um he's cons- they're considering a move maybe, but maybe maybe even to like Kentucky or something. But uh, but he's Inter- interesting. He, he lives in Portland, right? He does. <clears throat> Or just outside, but yeah, yeah, yeah. Greater um, Portland, Greater Portland area for sure, yeah, for sure. So, um, yeah, I'm gonna kick it right off with um, Link Ray. We're gonna go to the um, I'm gonna go class. Legends we have not played category. Yeah, serious. This is a guy that was born in the late twenties in North Carolina. Um, well, we'll just, it's as a tip of the cap to our man Jack. It's called Jack the Ripper. It's a 1960 single of his. One of his most famous songs of many, of course, Rumble being his keynote song. And um, we'll talk about him afterwards. It's Fred Lincoln, Link Ray Jr. from North Carolina, Jack the Ripper, 1960. <laughs>
classic. Link Ray. Yeah, very interesting life. How the hell this guy, who's been nominated twice, I believe, into something called the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, is not in. Right. Blows my mind because well. essentially he's one of the first ever played Discord Discord Electric Guitar. Yeah. He is also like essentially um, given a lot of deserved credit for the power chords. Yeah. Um, yep. And so like, you know, so basically where would rock and roll be without distorted guitars and power chords? I mean, how many bands? <laughs> right. right. <laughs> I think every single band that plays amplified electric guitar as part of their band really owes Link Race a lot of credit. And like, um, you know, a Shawnee from these Native American heritage, Shawnee from Dunn, North Carolina, and served in the Korean War at, in his early 20s and while he was there developed a really horrible case of tuberculosis lost Mm. a lung from it Mm. and uh, so whatever singing he'd done he just before essentially just became like the leader of this I mean you think about all the genres the influence I mean amongst amongst the people that deeply admired him would be someone like There'd be no Marky Smith, yeah, or the Fall. Like, right? I mean, he's, and you can like if you listen to it, you can see how it affected the musical composition of a lot of Fall songs. But I mean, that's just one of hundreds of bands for sure. Oh, and like surf punk, you know? Oh yeah, surf, surf garage. Punk, like you know, yeah. I mean, just so many genres. Like, I mean, I believe the legends that you're actually going to play next, but. Um, and I, that was obviously just tip of the iceberg stuff, and I picked that one just because it's you know one of many that are just just great. I mean, there's it's such it's just so imperative. Like when you need to reach for something to DJ, it's always good to you know you can't. There's like he's like a can't miss kind of guy. You know, Rumble's like famous, and um, but. Uh, just and he lived somehow to be. I think he lived to be like nearly eighty, and uh, was playing quite often. I mean, he played when when I was in college for sure, and he he would he, he'd pop up. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, so just just a classic. highly unusual, absolute classic performer, and like. And, like, you know, not a household name. We, you talk about that all the time. Like, people who, like, didn't get their just due. Like, right. In a lot of ways, he he didn't because um, he should be, like, kind of in every conversation, like, the, for about 50% of the music that we play on the show, at least. <laughs> I mean, um, so, anyways, where would we be without Link Ray? Let's ask Dead Moon. Right. I mean, I, I guarantee, like, Dead Moon, who you're going to play next and I'll turn turn it over to you, but like, I guarantee that they listen to a lot of Link Ray's music. So for sure, you know, and and Dead Moon, Fred Cole, Tootie Cole, and Andrew Loomis. But Fred Cole had been around and making music for over twenty years before he formed Dead Moon. Um, oh, really? Like, I've never really heard pre Dead Moon. 
Oh yeah. Cool. You want to? You, you should 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 I uh, should I play that? first yeah why don't you do that yeah do that and then pick one of the two you're gonna play two live tracks with um, your game plan i'm gonna right? play two live tracks i'll play i'll play it early this is the weeds from 1967 this is also known as uh lollipop shop um what an early fred cole uh band um you know they were kind of garage rock in the in the mid 60s late 60s here you go you must be a witch the weeds Fred Cole, nineteen sixty-seven. And it's like that one is when he was like nineteen or something. Probably something like that. Okay. I mean, and, how... and like supposedly it was like that band was a ba- like a Vegas thing. Was it really? I, I thought it, I thought they were in L.A. first, but maybe you're right. Maybe it could have been Vegas. But he he moved to Portland probably a couple years after that, and um, and basically was a Portland staple. Uh, was playing just regular rock bands. Supposedly the story goes. One of them opened for the Ramones when the Ramones played in Portland in like 77, 78, and it blew his mind. And he was like, I need to form a punk band. And so he released, I think, one of the earliest. But that band was like, the Weeds are pretty punk. Like, that, you know, late, late 60s punk. They were, but like, 
Yeah, right. I mean, he was he was just kind of always doing his thing, and I think that's when he realized, like, I need to be doing this music. And so he did the Rats for a few years um, after he met Tootie, his longtime wife, um, and then they they formed in '87. They formed, but it took it took a while. So like, you know, so it's, it's you know, like, so twenty years from like the Weeds, you know, to right. Dead Moon, right. Yeah, they didn't didn't, of, didn't re- like, release their first album until 1988. Yeah, you know, and he was already in his well into his. Now, 40s. were you aware of them like as a teenager? No, I so I first heard of Dead Moon probably in the early 90s when. Um, Same, I heard of them like, but you actually got to see them. Oh yeah, I saw them plenty of times. Um, once I moved they were to like, Oregon, um, they would play like what would you say like ten shows a year in Portland, sort of thing, like more. I think. Um, Boy. Yeah. I, so I first heard of them ever when um, Mud Honey, Mark Arm, it was one of those like what's in your bag kind of things where he went to a record store and he bought like two or three those records. Are cool. Yeah. And in like 91, he bought a Dead Moon record. And I was like, who, who what's this? Who's Dead Moon? Um, and so then I would see them play live. I'd see them at the, like the corner when I lived in Eugene in the early 90s. And like right down the street, like a block and a half from my place, you know, like awesome party nights, t- 10 or you know, like 50 people, if that, um, tiny clubs. And I remember thinking, like, this is what ACDC would be if ACDC were punk rock, right? You thought they were that, that kind of like heavy, like, 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 sort of like. They were they were playing Led Zeppelin and they were playing classic rock and they were playing punk and because they were older you know and this was in an era when in the early nineties you kind of everybody's fresh face a lot of fresh faces a lot of kids. fresh faces and you you, you sort of you didn't mention that you were a Zeppelin fan you know and they're up there doing Communication Breakdown um, but like a super amped up version of it and well, it just, Beethoven would do stuff stuff like that like, yeah perhaps in an ironic that, fashion that's true maybe. that's true but camper van beethoven was always almost like more of like a hippie punk band you know the whole santa cruz and scene. they were also like you know smart asses you know, right in a great way like, right in right. a great way i love that band. yeah but you know dead moon 88 they released their first album and they basically would put out an album or two every year for like 10 years straight and um i want to play two from so they they did they did an album in 1994 called crack in the system that um is i i don't know it's really hard for me to pick a favorite dead moon record because so many of them are so good and um you know mr ghost agrees but yeah, he's concurring. If I had to pick one that I just love, it might be Crack in the System. And I'm going to play two from that record, but I'm going to play the live version from an album called, a double LP called Hardwire, Hardwired in, uh, and boy, I don't know how to pronounce this, Ljubljana, something like that. Um, the Good job. I don't even know what word you're looking at, but good job. Czech, I think it's uh, Czech Republic. Is that where they're, I don't know. I, it's some city in um, Eastern Europe because that's the other thing. Because well, they got big over there. They, they got big, they big, got over, big there. over there. But they, you know, the weird thing is, it's like I always lived on the East Coast, right? Yeah. 
And like I don't really recall them playing in Richmond, D.C. I know they played at Hoboken. I just wasn't in town in Maxwell's. I mean, I can't verify that, but I know they would definitely play New York. Yeah, well, and they they would tour and they would play all the time in Portland. But you know, it would be small clubs, and you know, maybe they would sell it out. They'd play Satyricon. Satyricon was you know. Oh man, I played there, man. Yeah, Ooh. yeah. Um, what a club that was. Yeah, for sure. I mean, they closed Satyricon. They played the last night of Satyricon, which is That's totally what, appropriate. Uh, how appropriate is yes. that? Yeah, yes. I mean, and and every time probably the house band and they, pretty much Andrew Loomis the drummer would light a candle yeah the candle the candle yeah the, I've, heard, I've he always would, heard about the candle he would light a candle in a Jack Daniels bottle and it would basically play on his drum riser uh, you know it would it, they'd play and it would the candle would burn through and basically you know around the time they were done the candle was burned out and so th- there was tons that's like you know that that kind of stuff is so awesome <laughs> yeah. so like if you're in the crowd like you're yeah. just like you're yeah. watching the band you're getting into the music but like instead of like pyrotechnics or light shows or props or anything else you're just like you know this candle defines the, the length of the show right right now, did the candle like? I wonder if the candle ever blew out. Was like, uh, probably after five minutes. It was, it probably, was, you know, because come on, you know, they, they didn't care. You know, I mean, and the thing with the candle was it was it was just that bottle was covered in candle wax. I don't know how many times they might have, must have had to replace the bottle because it just got so coated in candle wax. Anyway, it's pretty cool. That, um, I do, that's one thing I know about them. Yeah. So I want to play two songs, and I think they these two songs are both from Crack in the System, 1994 LP, and they are right, They one leads into the other on this Hardwired in Ljubljana um, LP uh, live record. And I think it's very appropriate because it, these two songs, in my opinion, sum up the worldview of Dead Moon, which is... Um, first one I'm going to play is Poorborn, and then it runs into It's Okay. And, um, you know, the chorus of Poorborn is, I'm pissed off, and that's the way I am. But then they go into It's Okay, you know, and it's like, you, it's okay, you don't have to run and hide away. It's this, it's this angry punk combined with, we're all in it together, and we're all here to support each other. And those two messages in two songs, like, in my mind, completely sum up the worldview of Dead Moon. So fantastic. So here you go, poor boy, or sorry, poor born. Uh, straight into it's okay. Enjoy. Thank you. I wake up in the bottom of some, yeah, no 
So, I mean, I'm thinking like um, one of the reasons why they might have preferred small venues is that they probably hated, hated playing large ones. <laughs> yeah, I would imagine. Um, and it just doesn't come across, you know. I mean, there's no, such but there's an no intimate, way. Like, yeah, um, such an intimate band. Um, and yeah, because like I know the difference. Like, yeah, the difference is like, believe me, like it's so just the ability to hear what you're doing and like if you're completely vibing I like I did, I, they don't strike me as the kind of band that like had definitive set list plans right. when they played right I mean and let's I'm sure there was some game plan but like I think they would probably feel their way as they went along because they their catalog was they could they could pull on I imagine the kind of band that could take the stage because they normally play for like about forty five minutes to an hour, right? Yeah, I would imagine. Yeah, maybe with an encore Depending on the, in there. The mood of the candle, mm-hmm. right? And 
you know, so they were, I mean, you, you want to talk about like a do it yourself. They had, so Fred had a, uh, like an, like a, a music shop where he would repair amps in Clackamas. Okay, so he was like a known, like he was like a known guy around town. I wondered yeah. about them. Like, I wonder yes. if they were just those kind of people that yeah. were hermits that would just come out to play, or if like people knew them around town. Well, and but but it was not downtown. They were a Clackamas, which is eastern. Oh, um, I know that part. Yeah, I know yeah. That is. So it's it's a bit east. It's it's not the hip area at all, and. Um, you know, I mean, this was this is also the great punk rock love story here because you know Fred and Tootie, they met in the early '80s. They formed the Rats together. Then they formed Dead Moon with Andrew Loomis. Andrew had a lot of drug issues and ended up uh, dying young. And oh, they, bless his heart! I, I know. No yeah, and um, he was younger than than either of them. And after that, they were in. They formed Pierce Era, Pierced Arrows, who released a few albums, and then you know Fred himself passed away a couple years ago. And today would have been August twenty eighth would have been his seventy second birthday. And you know they were this this do it yourself. They he, he he had a small shop where he would release his own records. The Dead Moon records were on Tombstone Records. Tombstone was a music shop, an amp repair shop. You could just go in and walk in at any point um, and go up and talk to Fred if he was not on tour. Um, He was there running his shop. And, you know, Tootie was there too. They were married. She was playing bass. She sings many of the songs. Obviously, she did backing vocals on that. And, you know, even on the, the... poor born when he, you know the line about like you know i i got a woman who still makes me crazy when she wears a nightgown you know i mean this was like a great punk rock love story you yeah know? fantastic it, rare yeah the only thing that like i've ever experienced like that and i've played them on the show before is bodeco from louisville and um we lost a uh dear friend of mine winko bannon who was the guitar player for bodeco very recently mm. and like bodeco like in like what we'd consider like two of the most heavily stylish music scenes of our lifetimes in Portland and Louisville. Mm, yeah. These were like, um, these were like the old school rock and roll older than us heroes that we all looked up to and went wild at their shows. So right. like, right. They're right. somewhat analogous, even right. though like, I think dead moon is like, better known sure but like if you're a louisvillian like bodeco shows you know whether it be like they'd be like 80 year and it was like time to get the party off and like <laughs> yeah right you know what i mean right. like it was an and, event and, you know it was like a, it was like an event and like they played derby week and that was kind of like the only time like outsiders would really ever see them sure yeah and i don't know if it you was know, the same sort of thing with bodeco but like Dead Moon, they were they were so far from the hip, you know what I mean? Like they were the legit, like older, like oh, almost. No, Bodeca was not hip at all. Intimidating, it was yeah. like old. Like they they worked in the in the Jimmy Brown played bass and like right. they knew like they fixed your guitars and like right. this famous guitar shop in Louisville, which escapes my name right now. Very famous guitar shop, right? It escapes my memory, but because um, I never really went in guitar shops because I don't play guitar. 
So, <laughs> I mean, when when the major labels came to the Northwest looking for talent in the in the late '80s, early '90s, and the Nirvana, you know, musically they fit, and um, you know, but they were probably twenty years too old. You know, they were in their forties at that point, and um, well, shame they, on those people for always looking for the kids. Right, right. They were they were not sellable at all, but they were so yeah. damn good live. They were so yeah. good. Portland legends, absolutely. If there ever is any, absolutely. Um, which are there are many. So, I'm actually going to do, in a way, kind of a completely different artist from a completely different place. Good. Who like also that. Johnny Lynch, the Pictish Trail, is an Edinburgh-born uh, chap, yeah. and um, he ran two record labels. Um, he started playing music in the early two thousands, if not before. And the Pictish Trail are his band, but he ran two record labels. He ran, I think it's called Yeah Fence Records. Okay, and then then he, I think he currently runs Lost Map, and he. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Very interesting life. Like he lives like um, in the Inner Hebrides in Scotland. You know, he lives way, way up north in a very remote place. It's actually like one of the. It's in a lot of ways a very experimental place. I think it's twelve square miles with his partner and their two kids, and he's played at every Green Man fast festival, which is a fantastic festival celebrating music and environmental causes and um the where he lives in the inner hebrides is a, a town called eig or egg e-i-g-g depending on how you want to pronounce it and um he stayed active and he's released just about everything that he's i think i think everything he's done is the pictures trail a number of albums and he's got a great new album called thumb world and this is a song I dig off of it called um, Lead Balloon. I've got to give a tip of my cap to my friend, uh, Teaspoon Paul, Paul Writing, who um, turned me on to them when I was on tour with Dollfish about a, a decade ago. And I just think Johnny Lynch is an interesting article. He chopped the the part of Pictish Trail, mm -hmm. so now it's just Pictish Trail off their album Thumb World. The song's called Lead Balloon. <laughs> Diamond rough, gonna cut you up badly I take for granted all the things you ask of me Evidently I can accommodate all your demands How that plagues you, then escapes you all over again I've had
ended. That was cool. Yeah, and it's, it it guy that like in 2010 he made a record like um I can't remember the title of it, but it's like a, a hundred days to make me a better person, something like that. It's 50 songs that are 30 seconds long. <laughs> I mean, he's just like a innovative and and he's one of those guys too that like you know lives way up in the inner Hebrides with his family and throws together festivals like you know like we can make something happen here like in the middle of nowhere you know like just a really cool artist you know one of scotland's finest you know fantastic music country and a great country all around that's great place so yeah I've, i've heard the name and i've heard a little bit of his stuff but i haven't really delved too deeply so um, I think you'll dig the new album, Thumb World. Okay, it's it's poppy, but like you know, um, which is great. That, so there's a was, lot of lot of stuff there. So that was fun. It was your uh, way through it. Yeah, it was it was quirky and it wasn't quite exactly what I was expecting. I, you know, especially from when you play acoustic stuff and like you know poppy stuff, like he he goes all over the map. There's not a lot of noise involved. Um, got a sweet voice, Johnny Lynch. I liked it. Thank you. Cheers. Yeah. Um, well, I Pictures will. Trail, baby. I will shake things up and change things up quite a bit. <clears throat> um, That's what we're all about here at the Three Pods Pod. And you know, I mean, the I, funny thing is, that, like, a strong wind just blew in for the first time in a long time. Yeah. And I'm thinking, like, it was like kind of like you know, Johnny Lynch just like turned. Des Moines into the Inner Hebrides for like a brief second. Can you bring that back, Johnny? Because we've used some cool winds blowing through here, for God's sakes. Well, you know, I mean, a strong wind is blowing uh, everywhere right now, and uh, I think that's kind of a good segue into who I'm playing next, which is um, a woman named Elaine Brown, who was the first and only woman to have ever led the Black Panther Party. And I want to play something from her... 19- she also ran for president. She did run for president. And she I think she got elected to a number of different congressional seats. Or maybe not... Green if, Party. Green Party in yeah. 2004 is a presidential candidate for yeah, sure. Yeah. Um, she might have... Oakland. It, it might have Oakland, been... Yeah, right? state... Exactly. Oakland, you know, kind of the home of the Black Panthers... Um, she released an album in 1969 called Seize the Time, Black Panther Party. And, um, you know, just this classic late 60s, uh, you know, especially, you know, 50 years later, 51 years later, when we're in the midst of the same kind of shit, you know, like, her music, I think, still resonates, and um, you know, it's it was revolutionary then. It's still kind of revolutionary now. And she was, um, you know, she only released two albums, um, but I guess that's all she needed because she was she was much more of an activist than a musician. So uh, let's celebrate her. I'll play the title track from "Seize the Time" if you want. It's short. I'll play another if you're curious, but. Um, but yeah, let's let's check this one out first. Seize the yeah, time. run them both together. Just okay. run them both together. Seize the time, Elaine Brown. Yeah, Black Panthers. Tell me that the sun belongs to you and should surround you. Yet when I turn. 
turn to look I see they've snatched the sun from all around you Why you hardly seem to want what's yours You hardly seem to care If you love the sun where you come from Then you had better dare to seize the time The time is now, oh seize the time And you know how Liberty Because you've been denied Well I think that You're mistaken Or then you must Have lied Cause you do not act Like those who care You've never even fought For the liberty That you claim to lack Or have you never Fought In the darkness of night Screaming silently You're a man Have you ever hoped That a time would come When your voice Could be heard In a noonday sun Have you waited so long Till your unheard song Has stripped away Your very soul Well then believe it my friend That this silence can end We'll just have to get guns and beamin Has a cry to live when your brain is dead Made your body hair tremble so And have unseen chains of too many years Hurt you so bad till you can't shed tears Have so many vows from so many mouths You know that words are just words Well then believe it my friend That this silence can end We'll just have to get guns and beaming You know that dignity Not just equality Is what makes a man a man And so you laugh at laws Passed by a silly lot They tell you to give thanks for what you've already got And you can't go on with this time-worn song That just won't change the way you feel Well, you believe it, my friend That this silence can end We'll just have to get guns and beamin' 
You don't want to think You just want to drink Both the sweet wine and the gall You've been burning inside For so long a while To your old time grin Is now a crazed man's smile And the goal so clear And the time so near You'll make it Or you break the plow Well then believe it my friend That this silence can end We'll just have to get guns and be men Yes it's time you know Who you really are And not try whitewash the truth You're a man you see And a man must be Whatever he'll be or he won't be free If he's bound up tight, he'll hold back the night And there won't be no light for day So you believe it, my friend, that this silence can end We'll just have to get guns and be men Mellow music that kind of belies the message, right? Um, pretty heavy message, pretty mellow, mellow stuff, <laughs> you know, it's like revolutionary. It's pretty heavy, like the words are so heavy. Right, in right. In a great way. Right. Um, but I mean, like, I, I misspoke. 2008, she was associated with the Green Party briefly, and then she's really what is a major prison reform activist. That's mm-hmm. like, mm-hmm. um, and classically trained pianist, pianist with a great voice, um, but she's spent her life like essentially like trying to represent like disadvantaged people who were put in jail unfairly. Right. Um, I think she ran for mayor in like Brunswick, Georgia, like. Um, She's gone to places um, where opinions were naturally going to be unpopular because of who lives there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and um, just a, it's interesting. I'm not. I'm unaware of like her. What's going on with her? She's. I mean, I think she's still fighting. I mean, she's still alive. I would imagine. I don't know if she's on the front lines necessarily, but um, I mean, like, I mean, in, during this year, like, right? I mean, yeah. I mean, she, I mean, she's be a legend. Quite interesting to to think what Elaine Brown would think about this year, right? She she's right up there with Angela Davis. I mean, you think of women, revolutionary women, in the late '60s, early '70s. Um, you know, I mean. She was recording records and changing the world, and um, she's still around. I mean, she's quite quite a legacy. She's she's probably not as well known as Angela Davis, um, but uh, she deserves, I think, a little additional attention. And maybe maybe she'll get it. I don't know. I hope she's well, and I hope that she's like me too, participating. And because um, uh, we need to hear her voice, her opinions. <laughs> Right on so many things. Right, um, right. Yeah. I mean, you think about somebody that was so ahead of their time. You know, I mean, 
she was 50 years 50 years ago she was singing about stuff that we're only now as a society catching up to and not just singing about it like actively working towards it and the black panthers why well, think people that followed her like um who were, who were aware of her like had the knowledge yeah oh sure for sure you know but the black the black panthers they did you know i think they're scary for a lot of people um and you know they really they they challenged no, but keep in mind like you know what are the guys the uh huey newton 1968 yeah the, the yeah at the mexico summer olympics yeah well they, and they took away their medals in this country. Yeah, they challenged the um, open Some of the carry laws. In the world, they took away their gold medals after they right. won like the yeah the four by four hundred relay or something like that. You know, you know like they, they incredibly they're responsible for the NRA being in the um, gun control business. You know, because they showed up to the the Capitol in Sacramento, the California State Capitol, openly carrying rifles and guns and it's so scared all the politicians including ronald reagan at the time that they passed this uh gun control measure <laughs> you know about who could carry guns but they also did so much good they started this breakfast program feeding uh kids in oakland that ran for years and years and was was you know the first well, of its kind would not hold the nra against them no, but it's, I mean, that's the irony, is you think back 50 years ago, and it's like the NRA was, they were they were in the business of gun control because <laughs> it was scary when black people were carrying guns openly, um, you know, so that they were trying to limit that. I mean, you think about how far it's come since then, you know, I mean, the, the, I don't know. It's a well. It's a heavy political discussion. It for sure, for sure. For a music podcast, that's like, true. We, you know, um, and and I'm glad to get into it. Um, that's true. But it, Elaine it, Brown, it, d- d- dig in, learn more about her, learn more about the Black Panthers. There's there's a lot there. So I can do a feature. I love it. I'm going to do a feature. I'm going to take it to late 70s. Yep. Manchester, greater Manchester area, a certain ratio. Oh, yeah. Named after the, the Brian Eno line. Get, yeah, named by, wait, it's like a, it's Brian Eno lyrics. In a, That's right. It's one of the, the only band in the world that I'm aware of. I'm sure there's many, but like the most famous still going band, like 40 years arching career. Very interesting career obviously attached like first to factory records you know right sure for sure tony wilson 24-hour party people mm-hmm. and the only band that i'm aware of were the two original members simon topping and peter terrell or terrell he played guitar and electronics like um they departed the band in 1982, but the band kept right on going. So, like, the three guys that joined the band after the guys that formed the band have carried the band on, which is kind of cool of the original members who went on to do other things that were actually kind of less famous than ACR. Right. Um, they So I'm going to play, like, what I'm going to do is I'm gonna, uh, play a song off of Now My Love called To Each, To Each, dot, dot, dot. Mm-hmm. 
called The Fox from 1981. And, um, and then there's, you know, then they became part of Mute, which is a great record label. Sure. And, like, they were, like, a weird um, part of this whole scene because instead of doing, like, you know, Joy Division, you know, Joy Division, the law to itself, like, completely unique band, um, and New Order and, like, all the other tremendous things that were going on in Manchester in the late 70s and early 80s, they were like they were like showing appreciation for like funk mm-hmm. and disco. Mm-hmm. It was just a lot of like Latin percussion elements. A band that started like using a drum machine and right. like one of the guys that's still in the band, David Johnson, was their first drummer. They added quickly added like a, the the sec the third and fourth members of the band were Jez Kerr and Martin Ma- Moskrop, who played the trumpet and the trumpet and guitar. And Jesker took over the vocals. So, like, I'm going to play the Fox off when, when the original band was intact. Okay. With Topping and Terrell, the Fox off of two each.
classic. The lads from Flixton, man. Yeah. Flixton, Greater Manchester. F to the L to the I to the X to the T O N. So, so I, how weird is that? So, like, right? These two guys who started the band, and like the three guys that joined the band, they carry the band on in '82. So that was '81, like kind of like the original lineup. Mm-hmm. And now we advance to 2020, and and keep in mind, like, obviously, like the vocals were kind of like what you call sort of typical Manchester sound. You know, like sure. from the era, like po- they were in courtesy. Yeah, sure. But but everything else wasn't like, like. No, they were was, like a dance band. Yes, yeah, and like super urban. And now they're mm-hmm. like really a dance band. Um, but uh, this is uh, 2020, uh, their new single, Yo Yo G, I think it's called. Uh, Yo Yo G I. Yo Yo G I. Okay. By a certain ratio.
Spacey. That's like, I wonder what Martin Hanna, like, producer, early stuff, legendary producer, would have, like, thought of that. I think, like, in the back of his mind, like, he must have, you know, who knows? It yeah. It's weird. Yeah. It's like space disco. I like it. I Me mean, too. The, For sure. I love the, the percussion elements. And, yeah. like, um, you know, you, you've heard Shack Up by them. It's the most famous song, I think, right? Uh, yeah, I mean, I'm not that familiar with them. I've I've listened to a couple records of theirs, but it's been a long time. I don't own. So anything tell me, like, like, like when you first heard them. For me, it was when I was a teenager, and I, of course, was a Joy Division fan. Like, you know, had purchased Unknown Pleasures. Like, yeah, in my case, like three or four years after it came out, because I was only like fifteen. Yeah, and so that defined. And then the new water stuff, like that define like that whole scene. So then like of course you're gonna buy anything that appears and like a certain ratio is just like, hey, this is like because our definition of what was cool was like it's amazing how like your mind opens throughout the course of your music listening life because you change gears, like things that because our vision was like actually really narrow. Mm-hmm. Or no, I'll only speak for myself. Mm-hmm. Um, I wanted to hear things that like amazed me as a teenager in my college years and like anything that like was like outside of my weird little box I would just kind of like I don't know whether I'd say to myself like too weird or like whatever like so something I don't get or like not instantly something I'm attached to depending on what's going on in my life at the time but like so there are bands that I'd, I'd have but they would always like I didn't know where to put it. Right. And so it's interesting years later, like gain a, an appreciation for them. Totally. Um, it's like, uh, I think that like, that's one thing about music that just in general, listening to music that I think our minds open more throughout the course of our lives as opposed to close. It depends. Yeah. At least in my case. Right. For those of us who are similar to us, <laughs> um, and, and I would imagine anybody that's listening to a podcast about music, it, I think that's absolutely the case where the more you're alive and the more you're exposed to different sounds, the more you open your mind to different sounds. However, I think, for the vast so I think, majority, like, we of talked people. about our, the first fifty podcasts that we did. So, like, or maybe more, um, where like there's a familiarity, that, you know, things that like had a huge impact on like everything about us from the time we were like first buying records, and like so it was like for our first fifty episodes at least, if not longer, with a few things that we sprinkled in were like things that we just adored mm-hmm. you know that yeah um, but i think i've also left off some of the stuff that i consider to be quote-unquote canon you know like oh you're a back pocket guy well like I, ray i pulled him out today i, I know but out, I, I, I just did. assume like everybody knows we've never played the replacements i assume everybody knows the replacements we've never played the ramones you know I, we've never played the clash there's all these bands that were were very influential to me in my musical development that I just assume everyone already knows. You know, it's kind of baseline. Yeah, because we're not going to really add anything to right. it. Although I could add, like, um, my replacement experience is pretty rich. 
<laughs> well, maybe so maybe we'll cover I them could at talk some point. About them. Yeah, they've got a, they've got another you know enough corners and enough like weird. And the rare same with the songs. Clash. Like I saw yeah. the Clash when I was thirteen years old. Like, so yeah, I mean, I could talk like. We could actually do that. We could yeah, play one song. Like that'd be kind of fun. Might be fun. Maybe, maybe we'll do a show where we play I, all the artists who made like a huge impact on us that we just and, assume uh, everybody already knows. Just have a, yeah, um, yeah. Just have a brief exchange. Like, yeah, yeah let's do Clash. What did you say? Clash replacements. Uh, you know, we like do Ramones. Yeah, Who's Who Do? Like you know those those kinds of bands. Um, even. We already did, I played REM. Yeah, that's true. You played REM. They were Mission of Burma. Have we, have we played Mission played of Burma? Mission of Burma. I can't remember. Um, but they were they were a big. We'll throw them on the list. Like yeah. let's do. I played Sonic Youth. Pretenders. Pretenders we were big the for me. Um, yeah, we'll we'll do that at some point. I mean, for me, a, a certain ratio. Yeah. My experience with them. I was never really into the factory record stuff. I think we talked about it. It was. Um, not really on my Too radar. Foreign to you, like just like it was. It was more, you know. I think it was an economy thing. Like I, I would have to pay twice as much for the oh, import. Yeah. You know, I'd have to pay twice as much for the import records, and so I just never. It never got on my radar. The first time I ever heard a Joy Division song was when I heard the Swans cover of uh, "Level Terrace Apart." Um, Whoa, yeah, that's so weird, isn't it? Yeah. Um. So I just. I mean, it is weird. Like, I, I, I don't even think it was that expensive. But I am a few years older than you. That's true. I don't know. I, I, I um, I discovered I'm them later. Now he's still like under fifty. I'm still one. under fifty. That's true. Um, but uh, I discovered. You're running out of time, mate. We are. We are. Let's. let's you are no. The, the no, less. We're not on the podcast. You're running out of time for you at fifty. I know, no, I know, I know. The less we talk about it, the more comfortable I feel, though. Um, Anyways, finish the show. <laughs> so tooted, I'll just I'll I've tooted say, my horn as usual far too often. So I will say one last horn. thing about a certain ratio. So when I experienced them, it was much later. It was probably in the '90s, I would guess, and um, I kind of experienced them sort of in the same way I experienced a lot of the like. New York no wave disco influence stuff like ESG like to me they oh, kind man. of fil- they fit right in the, that same groove right they just happen to be across the ocean yeah so i mean so you're gonna, i think it's a good idea though for a future show like let's the do it. legends that we've dismissed Legends because we think everybody knows right, them. Right, right. Legends, legends. And we should have like a just like we'll pick six, which will be so easy for mm-hmm. us. And we'll play one song by each. Yep. And we'll, you know, we'll tell brief stories. Ideally, like because yep. we do get accused, especially myself, of talking way too much, <laughs> <laughs> and even in my own household. And. Um, Probably I mean, especially. Like I try to shut up know. all the time. Like I spend my whole life trying to listen more. It's like part of like I should make an album like uh, Johnny Lynch did, where like I try to make thirty second songs, a hundred hundred days to make my life better, and make thirty second songs. But then like if I try to do that as a non songwriter, it would just make my life worse. <laughs> it's okay. That's okay. It'd be, it'd be embarrassing. So 
All right. Well, I will. I will take us home. I will end the show. I'm going to play Maybe something. Maybe keep us in 2020. Brand new, current, just came out. I think a couple weeks ago. Um, I actually heard it and bought it. I know it. nothing about this artist. So you're gonna have to like, you know, it's all you. So she is um, on Secretly Canadian, and she is that's maybe, some sort of big hip label now, like m- maybe or something. maybe she is secretly Canadian, but she really is Canadian. She's from uh, Montreal. And this is her first from her first EP, a four-song EP. Um, she has not released a full length, and um, her name is well, her name is Lauren Spear. She goes by Lay Ren, L E R E N. Lay Ren, and um, the EP is called "Morning and Melancholia," and it's about it's four songs that were inspired by the recent death of her ex-boyfriend. And they're just beautiful songs. I mean, they're 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 sad, but they're also just like heartbreakingly beautiful. So I'm gonna end with one from that EP. It's called "Love Can't Be the Only Reason to Stay." Um, yeah, I, I think you'll like it. I hope you'll like it. Lay Ren. All right, here you go. I fell in love. The sight of you I was taken So overcome I gave you all I got lost in you Didn't see Till it all came undone Well here We are At the end of all things I guess I Learned too late Love can't be the only reason to stay I thought each step that we took was To the beat of our unified hearts I didn't see you were stepping on me While still in the warmth Well, here we are at the end of all things I guess I learned too late That love can't be the only reason to stay Loved you, my darling, you know that it's true I loved you till you beat my heart black and blue But I just can't stand to be treated that way No love can't be the only reason to stay
So we started with Link Ray and we ended with that. Yeah, man, that's, um, bless her heart. Yeah, uh, I mean, just a beautiful, timeless, I mean, brand new, but sounds like it could have been recorded any time in the last 50 years. Um, well, you know, obviously Leonard Cohen comes to mind. I mean, sure. with all due respect. Sure, I mean, Joni Mitchell. But it's like she might have never heard, yeah, Joni, but she might have never heard either artist. Who knows? It's, it's true. Like, Who knows? Um but just very just like Leonard Cohen, like uh, quickly tell me about your experience with Leonard Cohen. It's like a few people have asked me that question in the last 10 days. My I... wife has been on a, my wife Whitney has been on a Leonard Cohen listening. I, I love Leonard and uh, maybe we should play a Leonard Cohen song on that. Um... Well, add, him to, add him to the six. Add, add him to, to the, the six, six because, because he's someone that I figure everybody knows. Well, that's the thing. It's like even I bought a cassette when I was 15 years old, and but listen to Leonard Cohen as a 15 year old, just be like, "Wow!" Like yeah. you know, like and so like I, so I knew the hits. I know the hits, right? And like just like Nick Drake, right? You know, like right, like profoundly sad music, um, which of course I've been a part of, um, right. Right, specifically with David, sure. Um, it's just like uh, something that is like uh, I can't ever imagine like um, doing it because um, like well, music to me has always been like somewhat hysterical and and fun. Like that was always the purpose for it. So sure, like, sure. And I love, I love, I love the expression. And I love it. Like just about everything he played tonight was like pretty heavy. Um, yeah, that's true. In, a lot of ways. in, in different, in so, completely different ways. But yes, I, I would agree. Yeah. Um, we well, played a lot of heavy songs on the podcast. But anyways, love you, mate. And, I love, uh, I, lo- I love you too. I, I think the one thing I'll say, I mean, for Leonard, for me, is is just that that purity of emotion. You know, it's not just even just heaviness and deepness, but it's like it's his lyrics touch on things that you don't normally hear about in pop culture, you know, and kind of complex human emotion that, that is um, usually not the fodder for pop songs. So yeah, let's, let's play him on an, uh, on that. Well, actually we'll, we'll, that should be a great fodder for our next podcast. We'll start with Leonard Cohen. Let's do it. We'll start with like famously familiar artists. Uh huh. And you can cut yourself off right there. We're talking about Leonard Cohen. <laughs> and I'll cut myself off as well. And then we'll play, we're going to play like famously familiar artists next time that we haven't played on the show yet. Right. That we assume everyone knows, but we'll still talk about. Yeah, but about. we assume everyone knows like Sebado and. <laughs> That's true too. Minute Squirrel, Man, Squirrel Bait. <laughs> no, 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 not everybody knows Squirrel Bait. For God's sakes! No, I mean, just, slant. You know. That's our joke. That's that's the joke. Is that everybody does? We drop we drop bands we like play languid and flaccid. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, yeah. Let's do it next show. I love yeah, you, man. Yeah. yeah. Have a great night. You too. Do it soon. Thank you, everyone. <laughs>